Father, we come now to this moment, and we ask that you would speak to us from your word. Lord, nobody is present today to listen to some silly preacher. God, we are all gathered together this morning so that we might hear, Spirit, you might speak to us from your word. God, your word has the power to change lives. So we ask that you would comfort those who need comfort, strengthen those who need strength, encourage those who are down and discouraged. Father, we ask that you would also challenge us, that you would convict us, that you would motivate us to move forward in your word and following your will. Lord, we ask that you might receive all honor and glory in the moments to come. Spirit, that you might teach our hearts, that you would add your blessing to the reading, to the teaching, to the proclamation of your holy word. We ask all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I invite you to take your Bible with me, whether printed or digital. If you don't have a copy in access for you, feel free to follow along with the screens, or you can borrow one of the Bibles that's in the back of the pew there in front of you. If you don't have your own copy of Scripture, I encourage you to take that Bible that you see there in the back of the pew in front of you and keep it as your own as just a gift from us. We'll be happy to replenish it before next week. But we will be looking together in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, I'll be reading verses 1 through 10 for us as we look together at the story of Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. I would also ask, if you are physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word? As we look together now at Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, I will read for us when I have completed. I'll say this is the word of the Lord. If you are grateful For this word of the Lord, I encourage you to respond with a hearty thanks be to God. Luke chapter 19. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost this is the word of the lord thanks be to god you may be seated 
As we come to this passage this morning, you may remember or recall that we have been walking through a series of sermons in which Jesus has one-on-one interactions with people throughout Scripture. This ties in with the emphasis that we are placing on an evangelistic strategy called Who's Your One? Who is the one person that is close to you that might not be close to the Lord? We're encouraging each and every one of us to think and pray about who that one might be and then to spend at least 30 days praying over that one person, seeking for ways to have evangelistic, gospel, spiritual style conversations with that person. Person. We have resources that are in the foyer there. There's a, a bookmark that'll give you a reading plan. There's a, a prayer guide that can help you pray for your one. But we've been looking at these stories because it is obvious that Jesus valued one. The number one, but not just in and of itself, but each individual person. Already we've seen examples in Acts. Already we've seen examples of Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus and the rich young ruler. Last week we saw an example of friends who knew that they had to bring their one to Jesus. This week we follow up after the rich young ruler with this man named Zacchaeus. As we said earlier, Zacchaeus was a a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. And what happens when we make a story like this into a song like that is it gets burned into the crevices of our minds and into our hearts. That song may have a special place for each and every one of you. Some of you may be the first time hearing it, but if you are a fan of Veggie Tales, you've heard that song many a time. What also happens when that song gets buried into our mind and into our heart is we trivialize it. We form it into a cliche and we overlook the significance of what happened to Zacchaeus on that day. Jesus is now passing through Jericho, but again, much like with the woman at the well, he makes a specific trip to Jericho and intentionally passes through Jericho because he knows who's in Jericho. And Jericho comes up a lot in Scripture. You may remember them marching around the walls of Jericho. You may remember how Jericho's involved with much of Elisha and Elijah's ministry. But Jericho has been built up into quite a significant city at this point in the first century. And it's also a regional tax collection center. So this is a place where all the people who've been collecting taxes bring the taxes together. And can we be honest? Nobody likes a tax man. If you love when an IRS agent shows up at your door, hi, I'm here to audit you. I'm going to need all your receipts and copies of those receipts and your tax records for the last seven years. And you go, "Woo! I'm so glad you're here. I've been waiting on you. I got all my tax stuff ready. Do you want some milk and cookies? I'm so excited you're here. How can I be of service to you? If any one of you does that, 
Like, we got to go see a psychiatrist or something. Something is wrong with you. Nobody likes to see the tax man coming. And if we can be honest, I think in every nation and in every empire for all of human history, the collection of taxes has been a murky business that only a few select people seem to understand, whether it's today or whether it's in the first century. It's a complex and complicated system, often on purpose. Well, Zacchaeus is an essential cog in this system. He is a chief tax collector. What that means essentially is he is the middleman's middleman. So what would typically happen in Roman society is when it's time to collect taxes, the Roman government would take bids and the highest bidder won the right to collect taxes. The Roman government would then give them the soldiers, the military, the police enforcement necessary for them to go and get the taxes by whatever means necessary. The Roman government would tell this mostly Roman citizen, who was often called a publican in Scripture, they would tell this publican, here's how much money you have to give to the Roman Empire. Here are your soldiers to get that money. Have fun. That's about the maximum oversight that the Roman Empire gave to the publicans. So the publicans didn't really like getting their hands dirty, and they would add extra on top of what the Romans required so that they could get their cut. So they could get just a a little slice of the pie and put a little bit extra on top. And then they would take the money that they made and they would hire people to actually go out and knock on the doors and collect and tally the taxes. So they got to sit on top of the pyramid and everybody else was underneath them. But see, in a place like Jericho, a regional tax collection center, there's so many taxes to be collected. The publican hired Zacchaeus, and then Zacchaeus in turn hired other people to go out and collect the taxes. So Zacchaeus is not the publican. He's not the middleman. He's actually in the middle of the middlemen. So the scripture tells us Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector, but not only that he's the chief tax collector, but he's really good at his job. He gets his cut, he gets his slice, and it says that he was rich. He was wealthy. He was fat and happy. He had no lack of anything that he wanted. He had his home in Jericho and his vacation home on Gant Lake. He had his pontoon boat and his ski boat. He had his jet ski and the truck that he needed to pull that jet ski, and he was dressed to the nines everywhere that he went. We're also told in Scripture that Zacchaeus is... A man of short stature. We have no idea how short he may have been. We don't know if he was affected with dwarfism. He could have been an extremely short man. But what we do know is that it seems like from the way that Zacchaeus lives and the way that he is portrayed, he is trying desperately to overcompensate for how short he is in stature. He's very resourceful and gets his money. And I may be a short man, but I'm a wealthy short man and you will do well to respect me, Zacchaeus might say. But see, something was missing. He had his extra house on Gant Lake. He had his pontoon boat, his ski boat. He had his Sea-Doo. He had his F-250 with the duallys in the back so he could take their camper wherever they wanted to go, whenever they wanted to go there. He had all the stuff that he could ever have wanted. And life was good, but I have to think and I have to assume, it may not be explicitly written here in the text, but I have to assume that 
Zacchaeus asked himself the question, is this it? Is this all that there is to life? I go to work, I collect the taxes, a lot of people hate me, I'm good with that. I don't like those people anyway. But I've bought all these new things, I've got all this stuff, is, is this it? You know, I think that same question plagued the man that we read about in Luke chapter 18. Just prior to this story here in Luke 19, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to get more than what I have? Because what I have is not enough. Zacchaeus was not satisfied. This rich young ruler was not satisfied. And so both men approach Jesus and they've got to know what is life really about? Have I reached the pinnacle of all that there is because there's still this aching and longing in my soul that wants something more? And so Zacchaeus would not be denied this question. He was going to find Jesus. And he finds out through his contacts that Jesus happens to be coming to Jericho. Little does Zacchaeus know that Zacchaeus, even though he is short in stature, he is great in the eyes of the Lord because God's making a special trip to Jericho just for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus thinks that he is spying out Jesus and figuring out what Jesus' plans are so that he can understand what this radical rabbi is up to. But you've got to understand at this point, Jesus is at the height of his ministry. He is as popular as popular can be. This is a celebrity coming to town. And so everyone is enamored with Jesus and how to get to Jesus. Well, Zacchaeus finds out the path that Jesus will be walking. He runs up ahead and he climbs up into this sycamore tree. Now, listen, this is the point where a lot of times we flatten out Scripture, right? We, we think of it as a story far away, in a different land, at a different time, and, and we don't really consider the details of what's happening here. But walk with me, if you will, just down the road to Antioch Road. Walk down with me to the nature trail. And as you happen to be walking and exercising all together, all of us as a church, walking down the nature trail, we happen to look up and we see Ted Watson dressed to the nines in a tree. Or we see Walt Merrill, the district attorney, dressed to the nines in a tree. Or we see Tim. We see our wonderful friend up in a tree, dressed for surgery, with the scrubs, with his hands up because he can't touch anything. You're wondering, how did he get in the tree anyway? You see any of the executives from Power South or any of our teachers just squatting up in a tree. Don't think that he's standing like a calm man. Aye. I've made it up on this tree. He's got the Spider-Man squat going. He's hanging onto that tree for dear life. And he's on the tree. You're walking down the trail and you look up. Here's this man up in a tree. What are you going to think? Well, just another day in Andalusia. <laughs> I'll keep right on walking. Not a chance. If an eight-year-old's up a tree, we go, man, look at that. Eight-year-old's getting outside climbing trees. I remember when they all used to do that. What a wonderful job, eight-year-old. Keep doing that. Climb more trees. You see a grown man, even if they're not in a suit and tie, you see a grown man up a tree at the park and you think, should I call the police? That's a bit creepy. I, I, what's he doing in that tree? Something ain't right here. Zacchaeus, a grown man 
who was wealthy and typically very well dressed, is perched up in this tree and he does not care that he looks absolutely insane. Everybody around had to be going, what's Zacchaeus doing now? Like, all that money finally got to him. Hey, y'all, check out Zacchaeus. He decided he was so tiny he had to climb the tree to see above all of us. Everybody's making fun. Zacchaeus doesn't care. At this point, this longing in his soul has surpassed any peer pressure that could be applied to him. And Zacchaeus climbs and looks for Jesus. We have no indication that anywhere else in Scripture Jesus met Zacchaeus. There's no other mention anywhere else in Scripture. Jesus has never had an encounter with Zacchaeus before, to our knowledge. But much like with Philip, much like with Nathaniel, much like with all the other apostles, Jesus, before ever meeting Zacchaeus, knows him by name. You remember when Jesus was walking through the crowds, and this woman with this issue of blood pressed her way through the crowds and touched him. Jesus knew immediately, I know that woman touched me, and I'm, I'm, I, know, I know I've healed her. I know that physically she's healed, but i got to draw attention to the fact that she's healed so she can be restored to her community. Jesus didn't let it go. He knew who touched him. He knew who he was there for. He knew that he was in Jericho just for Zacchaeus. And Jesus makes another one of those statements that I would not recommend making to your one. Don't walk up to your one and say, hey, brother Ronald, I'm coming to eat dinner at your house tonight. You tell Miss Gladys to get busy because I want some turkey, I want some dressing, I want some gravy. I want you all to be ready to go because I'm coming to your house for dinner today right after church. And Miss Gladys jumped up and ran out the room. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, hey, bro, get down the tree. And Zacchaeus is like, great. Now, now Jesus, after everybody else, now Jesus, Right. Now Jesus is going to make fun of me for being up in this tree. He says, hurry down the tree because I'm coming to your house. And what does it say? Zacchaeus hurried down the tree and went to his house and received him joyfully. Have you ever noticed when somebody meets Jesus, there's always joy? Have you ever noticed when somebody truly comes to understand who Jesus is, joy inevitably follows. When somebody commits their life to Christ, there is joy in their soul. And the fact that Jesus recognized Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is already filled with joy. And so they go to Zacchaeus' house. And as they're sitting there, the people are still being haters. They still have nothing for Zacchaeus. Man, I just wish that I could have heard what they talked about from the sycamore tree to Zacchaeus' house. Don't you wish you could be a part of that conversation? Zacchaeus, I know you, buddy. I know everything about you. And I want you to know that what you've been looking for, you can find in me. All that's been missing in your soul... I'm here to fill. And in a few weeks, Zacchaeus, I'm I'm going to be moving back to Jerusalem. I'm going to go there. They're going to crucify me. They're going to put me on a cross. And when they put me on that cross, I'm going to die. But I want you to know in three days, I'm going to rise again. And Zacchaeus, if you'll trust in me, if you'll follow me, all those desires that you have unfulfilled, all that longing in your soul that your stuff can't fill I can feel it. Maybe their conversation went something like that. I, I don't know. 
I have no idea. But what I do know is that when Zacchaeus gets to his house, everybody's grumbling. Everybody's giving Jesus a hard time. Everybody's talking about how Zacchaeus is a sinner. And Zacchaeus wants everybody to know that's not his identity anymore. He is declaring to Jesus and to everybody that's grumbling, no, 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 I've changed. you got to understand something happened on that conversation between the sycamore tree and Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus said, I want you all to know and recognize I'm not the man I used to be. And here's the proof. Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, behold, half of my goods I give to the poor. Folks, don't stop right there and go, oh, yeah, but he's wealthy. How easy is it for the rich to give away money? They're rich already. It ain't going to hurt him. I don't care what level of income you're at right now. Imagine cutting it in half. What's that do to you? What's that do to your family? What's that do to your budget? 50% gone. Let's say you get paid bi-weekly. You get 26 paychecks every year. What if that was cut to 13? Just like that. How does that affect you? How does that affect your family? Regardless of where you are and your income level. And these are not vague, empty words. This is what he will do. Here's how I'm going to give away the rest of my income, Lord. If I have defrauded anyone, and I know that I have, Lord. I know I'm the tax man. I know I've been taking my cut. Why would I include this phrase if I've defrauded anyone of anything? That's one of those phrases when you go and ask somebody for help or advice and say, my friend has a problem. We all know you got the problem. You ain't got no friend that's got no problem. That's you, and you're just too scared to say, I got a problem. This is Zacchaeus going, well, I mean, if I've defrauded anyone, but everybody knows he's defrauded everyone, and he says, whoever I've defrauded, I restore it for fold. Listen, that shows that Zacchaeus is going to start living a life according to God's commands and instructions. You may be wondering, how is that so? Turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 22. Exodus chapter 22. Zacchaeus must have been a good boy. He must have gone to Sunday school in his life because Exodus chapter 22 and verse 1, we read, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay Five ox for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. It is a biblical principle established through Moses. If you defraud someone of one thing, you restore it to them fourfold. We see the same principle rehashed in 2 Samuel chapter 12 because this is the story of Nathan the prophet going to King David and getting King David to pronounce judgment on himself for his illicit affair with Bathsheba. And David quotes Exodus 22, this fourfold mentality in his response to Nathan about this traveler. Look with me in verse verse 4 of chapter 12. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Zacchaeus's actions reveal that his repentance and his faith 
are genuine. He's not just saying, hey, I'm going to be really nice and I'm going to be really moral and I'm going to give back all the money that I defrauded and I'm going to give away half of my goods to the poor. He says, I'm going to follow the word of God and demonstrates a knowledge of the word of God so that not only does Jesus know who Jesus already knew, but everyone who was grumbling knows and understands Zacchaeus is a changed man. He's about to start living by the principles of God's word. And you know, it's one thing for us to say we give our life to the Lord. It's one thing for us to say we're going to live moral lives for the Lord because he calls us to live in that way. It's one thing for us to say, Lord, I give you my family and I'll, I'll pray over my family and I'll, I'll trust you with my family. But you know, the one thing that most of us seem to be so reluctant to trust the Lord with is our wallet. God, you can have anything and everything in my life, but uh, 10%, that whole tithe thing they set up in the Old Testament, I don't know about all that. Lord, you can have anything and everything in my life, but man, I, I got to pay my house bill. Lord, you, you got to understand, I, I, I'm saving up for this new car. Lord, you got to understand, my kids got to go to college. Lord, you, you, you got to understand. We fall into this culture, we fall into this society, and we are willing to open our hands to Jesus with everything but our money. Because it's my money, I'm going to do what I want with it, and if God's lucky, I'll spare him a penny or two. Folks, it's backwards, if that's how we feel. And, and don't get me wrong, you and I can sit here in this room all day long and go, Psh, I don't feel that way, uh-uh, that's not me, I'm not that person. I mean, you, you can say it, but do you live that? Go home and look at where your money goes. Go home and see what percentages you spend on certain things. And then revisit this question. Do I give the Lord my wallet? Do I give the Lord sacrificially my money that's his already, that he gave to me in the first place? Don't mishear me. I'm not saying you need to tithe more. I'm not saying you need to give to the church more. I'm saying you and I need to evaluate our hearts. And even if I am giving 15% to the church every time I get paid from every penny that comes in, but I do it resentfully, that's not what Zacchaeus did. That doesn't reveal a repentant heart of faith. That re reveals a heart of begrudging giving. The Lord calls for us to be cheerful givers, to understand the money's not ours in the first place. To understand that it is all His and He gives us the ability to be stewards, managers over His funds that He entrusts to us. And you wonder, preacher, where do you get that from this sermon? Look what's the next thing in chapter 19. Look at Luke chapter 19. What is the very next story? The parable of the ten minas. One servant who invested and doubled the money. One servant who gained a little bit one servant who buried it in the ground and the lord comes back of the house and says you wicked servant you could have at least put it in the bank we're just managers of the things that god gives to us let me also clarify something when we look at luke 18 and you see that this man who was the rich young ruler went away sad and did not give away all of his money and you see nicodemus not nicodemus zacchaeus you see Zacchaeus, who gives away his money. It's easy to think the rich young ruler 
was not saved because he didn't give away his money. And Zacchaeus was saved because he gave away all of his money. That's not the case. The rich young ruler couldn't give up his idol. He never put Christ as number one in his life. Therefore, he couldn't bear to part with any of his wealth. And yet, Zacchaeus has been changed from the inside, and so he gives generously. Our identity precedes our action. You're not who you are because of what you do. You do what you do because of who you are. And just like we sang in that song this morning, I am who you say that I am. When we understand that we belong to the Lord, then we live like we belong to the Lord. It is a natural byproduct that we will be generous and have generous hearts and be kind and be forgiving and be merciful because who we are on the inside has changed and who Zacchaeus is on the inside changes and therefore he is a completely different man and no longer is he stingy. No longer is he Ebenezer Scrooge, but he gives away half of all of his possessions, his total net worth. We're not just talking about his salary. We're talking about everything he owns and all of his stocks and everything in between. This man becomes generous because salvation has come to that house. Salvation doesn't come to that house because Zacchaeus is generous. Zacchaeus is generous because salvation comes to the house. Our identity precedes our action. You do what you do because of who you are. Listen to what John the Baptist says in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 verses 7 and 8. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized. These are people who want to hear the message that John the Baptist is preaching. These are people who have given of their time and journeyed far into the wilderness in the middle of nowhere to hear this great preaching sermon from John the Baptist. And John looks up and goes, you brood of vipers who warned all y'all to flee from the wrath that is to come. Thanks, John. We're glad to be here, too. Appreciate it, man. I feel so welcome now. Can you imagine if you walked into this service and I stood up to preach and before I said anything else, I said, you brood of vipers. What do you think you're doing here in this church? Get out. Go live and bear fruits that bear with repentance. Well, the preacher was on fire today, wasn't he? Golly, spoke right to my heart. I just feel so uplifted. That's what John the Baptist says. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Then he instructs them, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Jesus is living out this verse in Luke 19. Zacchaeus might as well have been one of those stones to the people in Jericho. And Jesus is raising up from someone they considered as insignificant as a stone, a son of Abraham. Look at what he calls Zacchaeus in verse 10. Look back with me. Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Look at verse 9. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Do you know why he's a son of Abraham? 
Because he bore the fruit that followed in keeping with repentance. He is a son of Abraham. Therefore, he bears fruit that keeps with repentance. Bad tree bears bad fruit. Good tree bears good fruit. That's Jesus. That's not me. It's just that simple, folks. What kind of tree are you? Here's the great news. Is that Zacchaeus climbed up a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus. And Jesus took a bad tree and turned it into a good tree. Not only did Jesus take a bad tree and turn it into a good tree in Zacchaeus, Jesus climbed up on another tree a few weeks later and took what should have been the worst tree ever created and turned it into a very good tree in our redemption. There is no tree that is too bad that Jesus can't change it to be a good tree. There is no stone that is too ugly that Jesus can't turn it into a son of Abraham. There is no tax collector who is too crooked or too short or too fat or too ugly or too black or too Hispanic or too anything else in all of creation that Jesus can't take them and make them a son of Abraham, an inheritor of eternal life. Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. Said, Zacchaeus, come down. I got to go to your house. If you're here this morning, when was the last time that you heard Jesus call your name? Maybe when was that first time that you heard Jesus call your name and said, I'm, I'm coming to your house? Make your heart ready. Make your house ready. I'm coming. If you can't think back to a time when you first remember Jesus calling your name, if you look over your life and you go, man, all my life is is bad fruit, then maybe you need to meet with the Savior today. Folks, there's no one that's too gross for God's grace. Don't leave here today without knowing that you can be redeemed. If Jesus can save a pathetic and worthless sinner like me, I guarantee He can save any one of you. I also guarantee if you're praying for your one and you're seeking to share with your one, they're not too gross for God's grace. If you're praying and thinking, man, maybe that person should be my one, but boy, they sure are rough around the edges. They're not too rough around the edges for Jesus. That might be just the person that needs you to tell them about the Jesus who didn't climb up a sycamore tree, but he climbed up a tree, got nailed to that tree, and died for everyone on earth so that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord might be saved. Is that you this morning? Do you need to call on the name of the Lord and be saved? Do you need to find your one, pray for them, and share this good news with them? No matter who they are, no matter where they are. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and the truth that is found in it. We thank you for the wonderful story of Zacchaeus. God, thank you that there's nobody that's too short or too tall or too skinny or too fat. There's nobody that's too ugly or too wicked or too pretty or too skinny or whatever, Lord. 
There's nobody that's the wrong color, that's the wrong race, that's the wrong creed. You're the Savior of all. He made a trip to Jericho just for a man who was an outcast. You make a trip to Andalusia just for those of us who need to know you. We ask, Lord, that you might move in this time. That you might draw us that need to repent unto repentance. Lord, we ask that those of us who have been too scared to pick a one, to pray for that one, to share with that one, would you embolden us? Spirit, would you give us courage and strength to take that step of faith, to pray for them, to share with them, that we might be able to have a Zacchaeus story of our own and how you used us to call one of your children by name. Father, we're going to have a time to respond, and we ask that you might move among us and that we would respond in obedience. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.